sweetness and light. He pointed over at a parked ambulance. You can leave your car there. I'll keep an eye on it. The two CSOs moved to the side to allow him to drive through. He parked behind the ambulance and climbed out, stretching and yawning. If you'd asked Nightingale what he was expecting that chilly November morning, he'd probably have shrugged carelessly and said that jumpers tended to be either men the worse for drink, women the worse for antidepressants, or druggies the worse for their Class A drug of choice, generally cocaine or amphetamines. Nightingale's drug of choice, while working, was nicotine, and he lit himself a Marlboro and blew smoke up at the cloudless sky. A uniformed inspector hurried over, holding a transceiver. I'm glad it's you, Jack, he said. And I'm glad it's you, Colin. He had known Colin Duggan for almost a decade. He was old school, a good, reliable cop who, like Nightingale, was a smoker. Nightingale offered the inspector a Marlboro and lit it for him, even though smoking in uniform was a disciplinary offence. It's a kid, Jack, said Duggan, scratching his fleshy neck. Gangbanger? Drug deal gone wrong? Nightingale inhaled and held the smoke deep in his lungs. A kid, kid, said Duggan. Nine-year-old girl. Nightingale frowned as he blew a tight plume of smoke. Nine-year-old girls didn't kill themselves. They played with their Playstations or Wiis, or they went rollerblading, and sometimes they were kidnapped and raped by pedophiles, but they never, ever killed themselves. Duggan pointed up at a luxury tower block overlooking the Thames. Her name's Sophie. She's locked herself on the thirteenth-floor balcony, and she's sitting there talking to her doll. Where are the parents? said Nightingale. There was a cold feeling of dread in the pit of his stomach. Father's at work, mother's shopping. The girl was left in the care of the au pair. Duggan gestured with his cigarette at an anorexic blonde who was sitting on a bench, sobbing, as a uniformed WPC tried to comfort her. Polish girl. She was ironing. Then saw Sophie on the balcony. She banged on the window, but Sophie had locked it from the outside. And what makes her think Sophie wants to jump? She's talking to her doll, won't look at anyone. We sent up two WPCs, but she won't talk to them. You're supposed to wait for me, Colin, said Nightingale. He dropped his cigarette onto the floor and crushed it with his heel. Amateurs only complicate matters, you know that. She's a kid on a balcony, said Duggan. We couldn't just wait. You sure she's a potential jumper? She's sitting on the edge, Jack. A gust of wind and she could blow right off. We're trying to get an airbag brought out, but no one seems to know where to get one. How close can I get to her? You could talk to her through the balcony window. Nightingale shook his head. I need to see her face, to see how she's reacting, and I don't want to be shouting. Then there are two possibilities, said Duggan. She's too high to use a ladder, so we can either lower you down from the roof, or we can get you into the apartment next door.
lower me. We can put you in a harness, and the fire brigade boys will drop you down. And I talked to her, hanging from a string like a bloody puppet. Come on, Colin. I'm a negotiator, not a bloody marionette. The other balcony it is, then, said Duggan. He flicked his butt away. Let's get to it, then. He waved over a uniformed constable and told him to escort Nightingale up to the thirteenth floor. Except it isn't the thirteenth, it's the fourteenth, said Duggan. What? It's a superstitious thing. Don't ask me why. It is the thirteenth floor, but the lift says fourteen. It goes from twelve to fourteen, no thirteen. That's a ridiculous, said Nightingale. Tell the developer, not me, said Duggan. Besides, you're talking to the wrong person.